My week has been full of prayer. My week has been full of a breath prayer. It's called the Jesus prayer. And uh, I just say, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And I've said that over and over a lot. I started saying it when my tooth really hurt a few weeks ago. (laughs) And uh, whenever the pain would well up, I would say that. And uh, this week's been a little more painful than toothache. And uh, so I've been saying that. One final announcement, my wife made sure to flag me down, and that was a good thing. Um, It made, you know, there's never a good time for what's happened this past week. Um, And we had planned the war party, the the ministry that helps women who are trafficked um, around the world, and the Saxon party who also helps women who are trafficked. And uh, those items are for sale. Uh, in the fireplace room. Um, A lot of people have been asking, what can I do? (laughs) Um, You know, you can support uh, those around the world who are in pain as well and those who are being experiencing liberation. So I'd encourage you to check those out. Um, If you would go to, if you would join me in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've reworked this sermon about uh, 20 times. This will be the 21st. This just happens to be live. Uh, So (laughs) I'm a verbal processor. You you probably know that about me, right? Um, And uh, grief is a... difficult thing because you never know when it's going to hit you and exactly how it's going to hit you. And so I've been a little surprised myself uh, how it's hit me a a couple times today. And that's all right. So here goes. We are in the midst of Advent. And Advent is a time of year when we look back to the first coming of Jesus Christ. But we also look forward to his second coming. Because we, the church, live in this place that theologians like to call the now, but the not yet. This past week in Yuma County, we've experienced a lot of the not yet. We've experienced a lot of what it means to live in a world where light has come, but darkness, darkness still is overwhelming. There's a song, George Weil and Edward Pola. They're, they're famous for at least this one song. And I, I watched the video of it the other night. Um, it was written in 1963. I, I, I made my kids watch it, too. It starts out with, and now we present Andy Williams. Remember those Andy Williams Christmas shows? Andy Williams, he had to work over the holiday. He wasn't terribly happy about it. And so his solution was to have his whole family come on the show with him. And it became an icon of American pop culture. That's where we first met Donnie and Marie Osmond. And uh, I remember as a kid going to my grandparents sometimes on Saturday nights. I don't think we were supposed to have a TV in their church, but they did anyways. And... We would watch Lawrence Welk, and then we would turn and watch Donnie and Marie, and um, I grew up with this stuff. But George Weil and Edward Pola, they, 
wrote a special song for Andy Williams. The song's called, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. And uh, it mentions many activities, activities that we think of this time of year, hosting parties, spontaneous visits from friends, spending time with loved ones, sledding, kissing under the mistletoe, um, roasting marshmallows. Sharing stories about past Christmases. One of the most interesting lines is telling scary stories of ghosts. And uh, it, it's a pra- practice that has actually fallen out of, of uh, favor for some reason. <laughs> we don't sit around with a U log, uh, some eggnog, and tell ghost stories on Christmas Eve. <laughs> but uh, English Victorians, they did. In fact, uh, as I was researching this, they, there's a book called uh, Told After Supper by a British humorist named Jerome K. Jerome. And it's a collection of ghost stories that were told by the English on Christmas Eve. It was compiled in 1891. And so if you're looking for some traditions, uh, maybe you want to download. It's free, by the way. You can find it on the Internet. And you can read some ghost stories around the Christmas tree. <laughs> you know, this song has only grown in popularity since it came out in 1963. In fact, in 2010, uh, ASCAP, the, the outfit that tracks the amount of radio play any particular song gets so they can pay the composers, um, this song was the number four most played Christmas song on American radio stations. It's the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) This song seems highly inappropriate today, doesn't it? I mean, for where we're at, and this song just doesn't ring true for Yuma County this past week. As you know, we've experienced three tragic deaths. And there's something in us that just screams. Something that just screams, it's not supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be the, as, you know, Phil Robertson would say, the happy, 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 happiest time of the year. And it's not. It's far from it. My job today is to just help us wrestle through how, how do we... How do we celebrate an Advent season, a Christmas season, when events like this have happened? I mean, how do we move forward when tragic events of this past week make the fact of the world's darkness just press down on us in such an intolerable way? How can we move forward next Sunday, we're probably going to sing songs like, uh, Oh, come all you faithful. We're going to probably crank up the joy side a little bit. I mean, I'm hoping we have a better week in Yuma County. And, and that we need to move to a place of rejoicing. And, and how can we get to that place? How can we pierce through darkness and get to a place of peace of joy. I mean, how do we press forward? How do we celebrate Christmas at such a time as this? 
How do we celebrate Christmas when it doesn't feel like the most wonderful time of the year? And I would argue that this is actually the time we need Christmas most. C.S. Lewis, in the Chronicles of Narnia, he talks in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as uh, Narnia as being a place that's always winter and never Christmas. And perhaps that's how this feels. Perhaps that's how you feel today. It's always winter, never Christmas. But I would argue we need, we need Christmas more than ever and not gifts and trees and Santa and Rudolph. We need the ancient story of Christmas. We need the ancient story that we read about in Luke chapter 2, our text today. You see, this is when the true Christmas message is most powerful because the Christmas message is about the confrontation between darkness and light. The Christmas story is about a kingdom of darkness which is being invaded by a special ops reconnaissance mission by the kingdom of light. And this is when keeping Christ in Christmas becomes more than a bumper sticker. It becomes more than a culture war slogan. Perhaps that's why Perhaps that's why the culture wars are being lost is because we've forgotten. We've forgotten the power of the gospel. And we've relegated it to a, a story that we share our, with ourselves once a year. You know, each one of us, whether you've been directly impacted by any of the three tragedies this week or not, each of us have found ourselves in a Christmas season that hasn't been the most wonderful time of the year. Every single one of us, if you've lived long enough on planet Earth, you've lost somebody. You've experienced uh, some difficulty in your life financially. You've experienced a Christmas that's jobless. You've experienced something in your life that has caused this season to be painful and difficult. We've been here before. And we'll be here again. So what do we do? How do we press on? I love this J.R.R. Tolkien quote. You might feel a little discouraged. I said, we've been here before and we'll be here again. Uh, one of the things that J.R.R. Tolkien said so well uh, it's actually a quote on the screen. Always after a defeat and a respite, the shadow, evil, it takes another shape and grows again. That's such a powerful quote. Because everything in this life, we just get kind of breaks in between, don't we? We get a chance to get a breath. We get a chance to get our bearings again, and then something else happens. The shadow grows. It takes on a new form. And that's so true. Today, I want to share with you that Christmas is God's actions 
to deal finally with the shadow. Christmas is, is God's intervention into our world to deal with darkness. Christmas is, is God's activity to deal with death and pain and suffering and evil. I want us to look at Acts, or excuse me, Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts, but the book of Luke, chapter 2. And these are familiar words, I'm sure, to all of us. If you are like me, my dad made us read this before we could open our gifts on Christmas morning. And so we tried to speed read this thing, and dad's like, no, 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 no. Read it properly, you know. Give it its uh, place. Okay, dad, but we already know the story. I mean... We've been here before, Dad. We've been here before, but we need this story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. When you read that, some scandal should come to your mind, right? While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room. Available for them. This story, as simple as it is, and as often as we've heard this, do you notice how Luke begins? You see, when most people hear this story nowadays, they they think it's a story to inspire us. It's a story to inspire us on how to be nice or be helpful or to be hopeful. We don't really think of this as true. I mean, churchy people do, but probably the larger culture doesn't think of this as an actual true story. This story for the larger culture is probably more in the area of once upon a time or long ago in a galaxy far, far (laughs) away. But did you notice how Luke begins? Uh, Luke is telling you that this is a fact. He's sharing with you the fact of Christmas because he places it in history. He places it in time. He even stopped short of giving you a date because they really didn't, you know, have calendars on everybody's wall back then. And they certainly didn't have iPads and iPhones and computers and all these things. They had other means of tracking the dates. And here he says, remember that year when that first census took place? That's the year. That's the year. Oh, yeah, that year. Because that was a pain. Because I had to travel all the way back to my hometown. And I didn't have any money. And I, but what are you going to do? The Romans required us to go to, I remember that year. Okay, you're telling me that's the year? You're actually telling me that's when it happened. Right when we all had to go back to our hometown. That's right when it happened. I totally remember when that happened. You talk to folks who were alive when, JFK was assassinated. 
They may not remember the date. They may not remember, uh, you know, the, the actual precise time, date, year, but they know that day. Or my generation, when Ronald Reagan was shot, they tried to assassinate him. It, it was when I was shopping with my grandmother at the mall in Grand Junction. And it came on the news. I remember. Or even 9-11. I mean, we may not remember the exact day, the exact time, the, the year, but we remember those days. And guaranteed, that's what Luke is saying here. Remember that time? Remember that day? That's when this story takes place. And Luke is saying this is a fact. Why is that important? This is of exceeding importance. In fact, if you turn back a chapter at the front of Luke, he tells us that many have undertaken the job of trying to give an account of Jesus of Nazareth and all he's done. But mine is a little different in that it's an eyewitness report. Now, all the others were eyewitness reports, but he, he went to Mary, I believe, and got an eyewitness account of these things. He shares it right at the beginning. He's telling us this happened. It's really history. This is fact. And it's so important that it's fact. You see, it's not a story about us trying harder. It's not a story about us being better. It's not a story about us having hope. It's a story about God invading. It's a story about a special ops mission. And without this mission, without this activity by God, there is no hope. Without this activity, you can sit around and and think positive thoughts and try to muster up hope and try to muster up change in yourself. But without this story, there is no hope. There is no change. You see, one of the things, why does J.R.L. Tolkien, his statement, ring true with us? I mean, why do we understand that the shadow will once again rise and it will change and it will come back? Because the problem is in here. The problem's in us. Part of the problem is the human heart. And the scriptures make that really clear. In the Old Testament, it says the human heart is deceitful above all things. Jesus said that it's not what goes into your body that makes you unclean. It's what come out of your heart that makes you unclean. It's already in you. It resides. It's there. There is yuck in us. There is evil in us. And we know this. We know this. I mean, if you don't believe me, we'll be happy to follow you with a camera all next week. And we will show your life on the screen for all to see. And not to judge you, but just to help us all have some clarity and to be honest that it is in us. Because I am sure over the past week, there have been moments that I've had interactions with my wife, 
my kids, perhaps somebody at church, that if you all were to see it, you might not be here today. It's in us. It dwells. There's also another thing. And there is uh, an evil entity in this world. We call him Satan, which is transliteration. We, we've just taken the Hebrew word uh, and put it into English. And Satan just simply means adversary. There is an adversary who is working against God. And by the way, Peter, the follower of Jesus, at one time Jesus called him an adversary. And sometimes the adversary is us. And sometimes the adversary is also spiritual entities that exist. We typically call them demons. We typically call the chief one Satan. And it is these forces that Jesus comes into our world to destroy and to defeat. And if you don't believe in demons or Satan, um, I suggest you read up on Nazi Germany a bit. If you don't believe in that there are true spiritual evils in this world outside of humanity, just spend some time reading up on a serial killer. Spend some time reading about Stalin. Educate yourself. It's true. There is evil, great evil, and it's in us, and it's in this world.